Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I uh, did not expect to be up here this morning, uh, just like you didn't expect to be hearing from me. I want to go ahead, and if you're a student in here this morning, I want to go ahead and apologize to you if you were at church on Wednesday. You're getting a double dose, but maybe that means you needed to hear something that you missed. And so uh, I'm just going to encourage you, if you're a student, just to lean in here and to engage and be a part of this. If you don't know me, I'm John Oliver. I'm the interim student pastor here at Rosemont, and it is uh, my joy and privilege to be able to bring God's Word together with you this morning. And so I just want to begin this morning. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to repeat that question to you, and I'm going to give you about 15 seconds for you just to think. I don't want you to talk out loud on this one, but just to think, and then we're going to jump in, okay? So here's the question. If God gave you the opportunity this morning to change one thing about your life, what would it be? If God gave you the opportunity this morning to change one thing about your life, what would it be? Most of the time, the things that we think of might be possessions, right? You'd love to have a bigger house. You'd love to have a nicer car. Maybe you'd like a different family. Maybe you'd like a different job, a different boss, different coworkers, whatever whatever it might be. So often, especially in my own life, I can be guilty of the things that so often I request of the Lord are things that are external. I don't often ask God to change things about the internal stuff. Maybe you're like me this morning. Maybe the things that you were thinking of were external things. But what we're going to find this morning as we approach God's Word together is that as the internal change that happens when we place our faith and trust in Jesus that is greater than any external change that we could ever hope for. Second question. By showing of hands, how many of you would say that within the last year, you personally or your family have experienced difficult circumstances? Just keep, keep them up if you raise them up. And just for a minute, if you would, look around and see that Nearly 100% of the people in this room would say that within the last year they've experienced difficult circumstances in their family or in their life. But if I were to ask the question a little bit differently, how many of you talked about those difficult circumstances with other people, I think there would be far fewer hands. See, so often we fight our circumstances in silence. We fight them quietly. The truth is we'll face difficult circumstances in life. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And as you go there, where we are going to find Paul this morning is Paul is writing from a place of suffering. Paul is in Asia and he's experiencing some persecution and some suffering. And he's writing to the church in Corinth and they are also enduring some difficult circumstances. So that's where we're coming into this. And because of that, Paul starts his letter 
to the church, reminding the church how the gospel of Christ should change our perspective on our suffering. One thing I'm going to say quite a few times this morning, and I hope if you left with nothing else, I hope you leave with this, is that God is always after two things in our life. God is always after his glory, and he's always after our good. And in our suffering, it's no different. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, we love you, and we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for where you are this morning, God. We come to you knowing we are approaching you on your throne, and that the earth and all that is in it is in your footstool. God, we are so grateful just for the ability to worship freely this morning. And God, we are just, we're blessed. We are so blessed. God, we pray for Pastor Adam this morning that you would just heal his body, help him to feel better, restore his health to him. But God, we pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to us through your word and that it would change us. It would change the way that we see you, the way that we see ourselves, and the way that we see the world around us. God, we love you. It's your sons and we pray. Amen. So sometimes in life, we experience difficult circumstances because we make pretty poor choices. Other times, it's because others make poor choices, and we are kind of in the crossfire. But then there's those other circumstances in life that we just kind of have to deal with, things that we can't really explain. So a seventh grade boy named Kyle introduced my wife and I, he died of cancer. About a month ago, there was a mother in this town, sweet, sweet Christian woman, has a daughter in college and a 12-year-old. She didn't wake up. Explain that. Port St. Joe and the rest of the panhandle was obliterated by Hurricane Michael. People lost their possessions, their homes, some lost their lives, their loved ones. Explain it. Chances are there are situations that you're thinking of right now where you have asked the question that we all seem to ask God at one time or another. It's a three-letter word that haunts us. Why? And so Paul's focus, when we find Paul here in 2 Corinthians, is not so much on asking God the answer to this question. He's not asking God the answer to the question of why. What we see God approaching, Paul approaching God about is really more of the question of what. What do I do now? What are you trying to teach me? So we shared with the students on Wednesday, the only way we really knew how to make this real to them was to kind of just share. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can't relate to perfect people. And so for me, I know the students are the same way. And so we just shared with them some difficulties that we've experienced in our marriage. And so Kristen and I, we've been married in September five years. And November of that same year, we, we started trying to have children. And we haven't been successful and that's one thing that we, we would love more than anything in the world is to, to be parents and, and to have children. And so we've gone to doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment. Uh, I wake up every morning and there's about 16 different pills that I take personally. Uh, there's things that, you know, you get poked and prodded on. And, and in the midst of all of this, 
and just trying to, to not question the Lord, but just trying to do everything that we know that we can do to, to make this happen, and hearing all of the commentary on the side from everyone, you know, you're just trying to stay focused on, on, on God, I'm, I'm going to be about your glory, and I'm going to be about your mission, and, and the rest is just going to fall where it is, but so often it's so difficult to be that way. And especially when there's people that we see all around us that are having children that some of them don't want them. And we rejoice for our friends that are able to and, and for our family that are able to, but it's hard for us. And, and, it, and it's hard for us when we see these arguments about, you know, just people killing babies. Because I, I'll tell you that there are, there are people that would lo- I would love, my wife and I would love to be able to raise some of those children. And, and so it's just difficult. It's hard. But in the midst of all of that, here's, here's what I know to be true. And I want you to repeat this verse after me. This is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The hidden things. We'll just start that over again. Here we go. All right. The hidden things belong to the Lord. But the things that he has made known belong to us forever. Just think about that. Don't repeat it this time, but just listen. Just close your eyes and listen to that verse. The hidden things belong to the Lord, but the things that he has made known to us belong to us forever. And I think that there's so many times in life, you can open your eyes, when we ask that question of why, but we are not entitled to the answer. We ask God why. But there are situations and circumstances in this life where we probably will not get that question answered. Why? Because the hidden things belong to the Lord. But the the things that he has made known belong to us. And so let's just walk over a short list of what he's made known to us. God has made known to us his mercy, his grace, his love. God has made known to us the impossible. That there is a holy God in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, who has made it possible for us to have a way to him, to be in a right relationship with him. He didn't keep that from us. He did not keep his salvation from us. The hidden things belong to the Lord, but the things he's made known belong to us. To us. So we have to be careful of asking why. And I would encourage you when, when you encounter yourself asking that question, or, or when you encounter someone in your family or your friends asking that question, I want you to encourage them to change their whys to what's. Here's why. When we ask God why, what we're communicating to Him is God, I don't trust you and you need to prove yourself to me. God, I don't trust you in this, and I need you to prove yourself to me. But when we ask God what, we are saying, God, I trust you. What are you going to do now? How are you going to use this for your glory and for my good in the life of your people? That's why we rest in these two things. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to take these two things down. Number one, God is always after his glory and our good. And number two, and and here's why my wife and I 
chose to share this, is that it is, a, it is possible, I think this is important, it is possible to disagree with God and pursue him with your whole heart at the same time. I think sometimes we get, twist, we get it twisted. Sometimes we, we get to where it's like, you know, God, I just, I, because I don't agree with this, I'm done. Church, it is possible to disagree with God and pursue him with your whole heart at the same time. See, Kristen and I know that we will be parents someday, that somewhere in our future that there is a child or children that we will either have biologically or through adoption or both. And we rest in the fact that God is good and that God knows the hidden things, but the things that he's revealed to us belong to us. Scripture also says that, that God is the God of all comfort. It doesn't say he's the God of some comfort. It says he's the God of all comfort. And if I know anything from Scripture to be true, is that God keeps his promises. And we see that even, even all the way back in Genesis, where sin enters the world, and God promises to Eve, I will crush the head of the serpent through your descendants, yet we don't see Adam and Eve at the foot of the cross. Adam and Eve are not there to see the serpent crushed. But God kept his promise to them. And we see over and over and over again where God keeps his promises. And so if God's word says he's the God of all comfort and God is a God of his word, then God is a God of all comfort. He keeps his promises. And God in his goodness intends to use our difficulties not just for his glory, but also so that we can share and empower and encourage one another through our suffering, especially those going through similar situations. To put it simply, when we understand the gospel, it shifts the way that we see God. It shifts the way that we see God in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our difficulties. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through, uh, through 7, here's what God's Word says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when we patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. So what does that mean? Well, one of the coolest things that we see here is we see how God, uh, Paul talks about God the Father. He talks about God the Father being a God of mercies, first off. So if, if I'm able to give you mercy, it means that I am in a unique position in your life. It means that I am in the position to punish you. Only the one who is in a position to punish can extend mercy. In Ephesians, God is listed as being rich in mercy. 
So God is literally rich in the power to punish us, but instead gives us mercy. In addition to that, he's the God of all comfort. So Paul, in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his difficulties, found comfort from the Lord. Not only so that he would praise the Lord, but be able to find those who are also struggling and also going through difficulties and encourage them to find their comfort through Christ. Paul wanted the Corinthians to know that his suffering allowed him to experience God's comfort. Isn't that crazy? That it was only through his suffering that he was able to experience comfort. True comfort. Verse 5 says that we share in Christ's sufferings. So often we're surprised when the world doesn't like the church or doesn't like the things that Christians stand for. But we are supposed to be hated. We are supposed to be despised. We are not supposed to be comfortable in anything but in our affliction. We shouldn't be amazed when the world hates Christians because it hated Christ. But both suffering and comfort in the Christian life are given to us for two reasons. We see Paul talk about this. Number one, salvation. Paul's afflictions occurred because he was a Christian. The things that Paul was being persecuted for and suffering for was because he was sharing the gospel. And so simply, if he wanted not to suffer, all he had to do was keep his mouth shut. It would have been done. But Paul suffered for others' sake. Paul suffered for others' salvation. Paul said, it is better for me to suffer than you to be with Christ. I mean, think about that statement. There's not a lot of people I love that much if I'm honest. Paul's afflictions were simply because he was a Christian. And if he kept his mouth shut, can you imagine what this world would look like if we didn't have the writings of Paul, if Paul would have just stayed silent? But Paul, in his suffering, wanted us to experience Christ's comfort in the midst of our suffering. Comfort Paul had in Jesus became their comfort, and it becomes our comfort as well. Continuing on, verses 8 through 14 says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. For our boast in this life, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you fully understand, just as you did partially understand us. 
that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. So what we do know specifically about Paul's suffering is that Paul's suffering was terrible. It was terrible because of one specific phrase that he lists in this passage. It says that they hated life itself. They got to the point where life almost became optional for them. Verses 8 here and 9. says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we so utterly burdened We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. Then there's a but. It says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on a God who raises the dead. See, Paul was at the end of his hope here. Paul was at the end of his hope. He'd gotten to a place in his life where where Paul said, man, this is just too much. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what circumstances are surrounding your life. I don't know what the difficulties are. What I do know is that there are some of you in this room this morning that, you, man, you would say that, that you're, you're in this place. You're in this place, the same place as Paul, where you would say that you feel like you've received a death sentence. Like there's no way out. And I will tell you, apart from Jesus Christ, you have received a death sentence. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about who we are apart from Christ, and then it says in verse 4, but God. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together in Christ. And he seated us up in the heavenly places with him. For it is by grace that you have been saved, and this is not of yourselves, so that no man may boast. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do the work he's prepared in advance for you to do. Church, it is at the point of your most hopeless night, your most hopeless day. It is at that point where you can succumb to the fear of the situation. You can believe the narrative that you have set forth in your mind to be true. Or you can look up and see a glorious Jesus who came to intercede for you. See, the hidden things do belong to the Lord, but the things that he has made known, the things that he has made known to us, they belong to us forever. And he's made known to us his son, Jesus. Hebrews says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our needs, but in every way understands us because he suffered as we suffer. I just want to encourage you this morning to to take your burdens to Jesus. Lift your burdens to Jesus. Lift your difficulties, your circumstances, your sufferings. Whatever it is you're going through, give them to him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares so much for you that he sent his only son so that you too could be in a right relationship with him forever. 
So as the band comes back up, I, I want to encourage you uh, to come forward, and if you just need someone to pray with you over a circumstance in your life, the, the circumstances surrounding your life, if you need prayer for that, we've got pastors here who'd love to pray with you. Deacons would love to pray with you. Maybe for the first time today, you would say, you know, I've never placed my hope and my faith in Jesus. I want to do that today. I, I want to start a relationship with, with a God who cares for me. Maybe today you need to quit asking God why things are happening, and you need to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? How are you going to use this for your glory and for my good? Maybe you need to take the next step in obedience and believer's baptism. Whatever the case may be during this next song, if you'll come forward, I'd love to speak with you. Thank you for letting me speak to you today. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your son, and thank you for time to gather in your house. God, we love you. Be with us as we worship. As your son's name we pray. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.